I'm Mr. Possible, Joshua Potts, always the brother of the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts, and when your favorite two black runners coming at you every single. Two black two. Yes, sir. We're back, man. Coming off a high. Coming off a big high right now, for real. For real, man. It's been going up. Baton Talk just was released. We're recording this on Thursday. So our first Baton Talk was just released. More content from the pre-classic definitely coming soon. And there's more from the Runner Report coming soon. So I'm telling you, bro, if you're watching on YouTube, keep on watching from YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube right now, give this a thumbs up, bro. Leave a comment. Share it with your friend. Something like that, because I think... Like, this is where it's at. YouTube, we're doing more stuff on here as well. Get us on Twitter. We're more active on Twitter as well, like, for the first time, like, ever. So, yeah, it's really hype right now. And if you need a shirt, buy a shirt. Yeah, that's a lot of people. say. Go get a shirt. going on get a shirt. Right now. Get a shirt for the culture, by the culture. But let's get into the guest, bro, because this dude right here is the definition of for the culture. Definition of for the culture of track and field. A D3 track and field legend. Track and field legend. Yeah, <laughs> 2013 UFC, USATF indoor mile champion and 3,000 3, meter champion, crazy double, 4x1500 world relay silver medalist, Will Lear is on the podcast. This is, this is awesome. This is this is awesome, Aaron. This is awesome. Yeah, Will yeah. Lear, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, the energy you guys are bringing right now, I got I to gotta step on my game a little bit. It's, it's, a little, <laughs> it's getting a little dark here. It's getting a little late in Colorado, but... Uh, uh, I'll match your guys' energy. Yeah, no, we're happy to have you on. Last time we last time we saw you, we were taking some hot takes at at the sound running me, you know. So I'm sure you're coming off a high too, just watching the watching the Olympics as well, diamond leagues and all that. I'm sure you're, you're engulfed in the sport just as much as we are right now. Absolutely. I think all of my hot takes didn't come to fruition, but uh, <laughs> that, that didn't make them any less hot at the time. No, you had some good ones. You had some good ones that did come true. I didn't I didn't end up getting that video out because I'm I'm well the video will come out soon enough, but it's basically like I, I lined up the predictions to what people got. So some of yours, like you actually got a lot that were pretty good. It was just the Cole Hawker one, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> talk about that one pretty soon. But for the for the main reason that you're here too, we want to talk about this Under Armour all-out mile that's happening between October 1st through 11th. People can train and sign up from August 30th, September 30th. And we really just want to hear what the, what the Under Armour all-out mile really is, because it sounds like a great idea, a fun out, fun idea for people really to get together and compete against each other and really just better themselves like in their running overall. So could you really explain to us what the all-out mile is with Under Armour? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the brainchild of the all out mile is to give people something to go after. That's not your five kids, not your 10 K a mile is like a super digestible distance. Mm -hmm. We all run in elementary school. We all run it in high school. And then for some reason, you know, that, that pattern doesn't progress forward as, as you know, we start entering road races, everyone starts going to the marathon, but you know, training for the mile is fun. At the end of the day, that's like, that's the best part of the mile, right? You can do strength work. You can do speed work. You get to do hills. You get to do sprinting. It's all like the really fun types of training versus like, oh, I'm going to go out and run 20 miles, you know? Yeah. Um, and so the idea behind the all out mile is like really Under Armour. It's like they're opening Pandora's box to every runner because they're mm -hmm. giving them the resources that we get as professional runners. They're giving it to everybody for free. You're getting expert coaching in running strength training, human performance, like, 
literally this stuff is absolutely free. This stuff that you pay top dollar for, it's not available because these coaches are like, they're on contract with Under Armour, right? So um, I think that's a really, really cool element that they just like, they're really trying to drive this community aspect by having zero barrier to entry. All you got to do is sign up and then you get 30 days of free training. And then the race period is from October 1st to 11th. So it's like, it gives you that window where, you, oh, you know, if I was going to do it on this Saturday, but the weather's bad, like you don't want to yeah. go out. You can run a, a, a decent 5K in bad weather because you're out there for longer. But like the mile, it's like, it's very specific. You got to have good weather. Can't be too windy. Don't want to storm. You know, it's like, can't be too hot. Um, but yeah, just give people an opportunity to, to also like, one of my favorite parts about the whole program is that while it's free to sign up, you have an opportunity to yourself win cash, yourself win prizes. But if you sign up for a team that has one of the three most um, entries, total entries on the team, you can win like up to $15,000 for youth sports charity. They're giving away 25 grand for youth sports charities. And it's like, who does that? I mean, I think, I think that they're just, just for having people sign up on your team. Like you can just have the most people sign up on your team. You can win. that. Yeah. For example, my team is the mile high milers. We're up here in Boulder, Colorado. Denver is the mile high city. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, double use of the word mile, the mile high milers for the all out mile challenge. So sign up for my team. If you're not going to join these guys. Um, but yeah, so if your team has like the most number of registrants on your team, you get 15 grand for a sports oh, charity. Right. So yeah, so it's it's really, really cool what they're doing and they're stepping up in a big way. I think it's dope too, like you're saying though, like the mile is such, that's the glory event in track and field if you're a distance runner, but afterwards everyone goes and runs the marathons. They run the couch, the couch to 5K, but there's a lot of people from beginner to elite that can really go out and run a mile and everyone has a mile PR and everyone like everybody knows if you're a track athlete especially in high school everyone's gonna ask you what's your 40 what's your 100 or what's or what's your or what's your mile time you know what I mean that's what they want to compare so anyone can go out there and get get some type of PR whether it's a six minute mile or, or 430 or something like that or a 15 or a 20 minute mile that's the beauty of this it's like the program is not based on where you start. It's about where you finish. So you start the program with a benchmark mile where you go out and what, if it's walking, if it's running and walking, if it's running the whole thing, like you go out and you put your best effort forward in that day one. And then 30 days later, you get to see how much benefit you've had. We're not talking six months, you know, it's like a marathon takes so long to train for. Like this program is 30 days. You can do anything for 30 days. Who are some of the expert coaches that, that are, that are out there? Well, now that's all secret, right? You gotta sign up Ooh. to find out. Oh, hey, hey, you, you might, you might get my, you might get my ugly mug in your inbox once a week. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I also want to talk a little bit more about like the youth sports development side because looking at the page, like Under Armour was really concentrated on how on that. How you're saying that they were donating like they were donating like fifteen thousand dollars to charity. They really to really have that happen and they had a quote on their page saying that 78 percent of low-income children won't experience that same joy or powerful movement due to the ever-growing list of barriers really just the barriers of entry that come into running a sport and even though running seems like one of the easiest things that you can get into there's still equipment that you need to 
have running happen you need to have you need to have the facilities that have running happening even if the facility is just the road or dirt or like a grass park or something like that so i really want to ask you like why do you believe that sports are so critical for like youth and everything like that from starting from whatever age why do you think it's so important at a young age to get into sports and just continue it throughout you know i could speak anecdotally about that um but i think i i I grew up playing basically every single, every sport I could get my hands on, I wanted to participate. And I just, I was a sports fiend as a child. But I think mm -hmm. that, you know, the, the ability, the learning how to work as a, in teams, the confidence that you get from being a part of a team, the confidence that you get from participating in sports. There's so many life lessons that we can draw from sports and doing it in a really fun way, right? Like a lot of other lessons that we learn, we learn them in school. School is like, you're going to class, you're doing homework, you're doing all sorts. Sports yeah. are fun. It's sort of like Mr. Miyagi, you know, like wax on, wax off. It's mm -hmm. like sports teach you this stuff, but it teaches you in the most fun way. And they allow, you know, they get all youth sports coaches, great mentors, right? Like these people who like look out for you in your best interests and just want you to enjoy being around other kids and having having those those enlightening, eye-opening experiences. Yeah, we, we, me and Aaron both, uh, we didn't do as, we weren't much as sports fiends. Aaron was probably more of a sports fiend as me, but we grew up running track and our dad was our coach. So definitely being around like those club scenes and just going around a club track has taught me so much. And I honestly, the best part for me was as a kid, like it, it made me want to apply myself in the classroom too. And I bet a lot of people wouldn't say that, but like, it, I was like, I was able to actually, I started competing in the classroom after running so i'm all like dang i want to i'm already trying to be the best on the track might as well try and be the best everywhere else so that was one thing that i really got from it too and then also i seen that you being that you are one of the coaches and i seen that you're specifically over like the tips and inspirations so like what are some of your biggest tips or important tips or inspiration kind of just a preview a sneak peek because i know you got to sign up you want to sign up but kind of like your sneak peek into into once you get into like running the mile what are some of your important tips and inspiration for anybody trying to attempt and run a fast mile sure i mean like always remembering that at the end of the day this is supposed to be fun, right? And the mile is so short that like that focusing on something and chasing a goal, it can, it doesn't have to be a marathon. You know, everyone's like, oh, I want to run a marathon. It's like the marathon is just for some reason it's taking this position as being this big goal race because it's very long. But it's like, as you were just saying, putting yourself in a position to do as well as you can, whether that's on the track or in the classroom, like having an outlet for that competitive energy yeah. is super important. And what, what better place than the mile? You know, you can go down and find a track, four laps, bring some people down there with you. I mean, I think like my biggest tip for any of this is like, it's 30 days, you're trying something new. Most people probably have never trained for a mile in their lives. And so it's gonna be this all new experience that if we were all only open to more new experiences in our lives, you know, I think we'd all find ourselves being a lot more enriched. Yeah, yeah. Put that on a t-shirt, Aaron, put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll spice that up. We'll get that going. We'll get that going. But speaking of the mile too, Will, like you had an incredible, incredible career and it's great to see you, you know, doing your thing with sound running and Under Armour. But we wanted to ask you, like, who would you say are like some of the top milers? You have to name three, the top milers that you had to race in your career. Top miles that I had to race? Yeah. You know, I, I was... I guess that's, that's, a, that's a bit of a tricky question because one of the guys that I had to race a lot, uh, he ended up testing positive for EPO and that was asked about Kiprop. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I had the good fortune of training and, and one of my best friends in the world is Nick Willis. And I think that he's one of the most phenomenal milers in the history of miling. Um, mm. And then you have guys like 
you know, I I feel like I was racing in the heyday, right? You know, I had a young Matt Sensuous, Olympic gold medalist. I had Leo Manzano, Olympic yeah. silver medalist. We have Bernard Lagat, multiple time, multiple, I mean, how many believe. freaking world medals does that guy have? Yeah. You know, like the beauty of running when I was sort of at my best is that like, you didn't have to go very far. And all the domestic mm -hmm. meets sort of had some of the best people in the entire world. Um, and then Nick lives in Michigan. So Nick was always at the big races too. So it was really, really fun. And I, I don't know, I have a special place in my heart to compete against the top Americans. I do feel like you're right when you say that, like you were competing and like, a golden age like and like i feel like i followed your career closely because i believe you graduated college in 2008 correct or 2007 seven? 2007 yeah. right so you yeah. were like you're beginning like your pro years like when i was like in high school and moving on to college so i saw like that was like my era of really getting into track and i felt like you were one of those early on like you were those fan favorites because you had a, such an incredible story story coming from a D3, people all already always rooted for you. You had the beard, you had the mullet, the mustache. I feel like you opened the door for like people like uh, Craig, like Craig Ingalls. Um, what is it like just seeing, you know, those type of characters develop in the sport now? I love it. I mean, I don't know if you saw what I posted on my Instagram today, but I think that Craig Ingalls is everyone's favorite miler, you know, like he just brings such a levity to to racing to the act of racing i think oftentimes you know when you have those the camera that pans the starting line right it's like usain bolt changed it in sprinting before yeah. that everyone was just like stone-faced and really 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 serious and usain bolt was like yo like this is supposed to be fun the looser i am the faster i can run so i'm gonna i'm gonna make a game out of this and of course once he gets down in the blocks it's like it's serious but up until that point you see with devin allen you know a guy who's an yeah. absolutely insane competitor <laughs> he's hilarious and and but you look at a 1500 meters, you're like 1500 meters, really anything other than uh, above 400, right? Is events that you're going to endure some pretty strong discomfort, right? The 400, maybe that last hundred is like, you start swimming in that lactic, lactic acid, the 800 it's for 200 meters. And like, as you draw up the distance, so does drawing out that like paint threshold. And so, it's like you're preparing yourself for battle when you're on the on the start line because like you know what's gonna come yeah. it seems like craig engels is just like he's come to an utterly open acceptance and embracing of like this is gonna be great i train yeah. so that i can do this and i want to bring everyone else with me on this journey of like having fun and enjoying watching me compete because if someone's super serious and they compete really well and then you know they're, they're not bringing any levity after the meet or after the fact it's like, well, that's, that's not super fun. Why do, why do we love certain sports stars? It's because they're characters on and off the field of play. You know, like they bring something to the table that someone that like, other people don't have. And I was trying to do that with like the beard and the long hair, right? Like everyone else is like close crop haircuts, looking real serious. Like they just got out of the military. And then there comes Forrest Gump, right? Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, I, you know, it's like the more fun that you can have, I think the, you know, the better that you should be running. Now that you're Wait, kind what? of like, I just have one more question, Joshua. Oh, okay, sorry, I'm sorry. Now that you're like kind of deeper in the game, like being being with Under Armour, doing sound running, like you know, you're hearing like Craig Craig Ingalls rumor these like retirement uh, rumors float around. Like, what does an athlete like Craig Ingalls like that personality that he brings? And let's not let's give him his props. Let's do this quick. Let's do this super quick. But like, yeah. what value do you think that brings to a brand? I think it's an incredible value, right? Like that picture that I posted, if you look in the stands there, 
everyone is there for like win, lose, or draw. The fans are there to because they know that he's going to be smiling. He's going to come shake hands. He's going to give high fives. He's going to sign autographs. He's a huge presence on social media, and like I don't know. I just feel like people sort of can't get enough of him on the track. And like, look, there are people that are making six, seven figure incomes as influencers on social media. This dude is like a real life influencer. He's influencing people in real time to go out there and run, which is like. Sort of exactly what we're trying to do right now, right? Like we're in real time trying to convince people to go train and run a mile. Let's move. Over, let's move to the uh, the other long-haired, long-haired kid though that's killing it right now in the mile and, and Cole Hawker. Because last time we got to talk to you, this I hasn't been it. out yet though. Maybe it'll be out by the time we get this. But you were saying that uh, Matthew Centrowitz was going to run better than Cole Hawker, and if they were to end up in the final together, Centro would finish ahead of Cole Hawker. They didn't end up in the final together, so we didn't get to see that head-to-head matchup. But Cole Hawker went out there, fifth place finish, I believe 331 as well in the Olympics. Just what yep. are you think? What are you thinking about Cole Hawker's progression? I believe his uh, season is over, but what are, what are you thinking about uh, after his season is over? How he did this year? 19. You know, I there's only one word for it, right? It's an, it's impressive. Um, <laughs> he he stepped up. I mean, like. I watched him and Cooper Tier run 350 for the mile indoors in February. And I was like, that's dope. That's cool. But like, we don't have to worry about those guys. Like no, no professional athlete should worry about them if they're running 350 for the mile in, in February. Um, but he's, I mean, their coach has done an incredible job. He's obviously an unbelievable talent. He's got a skill set that lends itself to the mile, right? Like he can run a good 5k, he can run a good 800. Well, he can run an incredible mile too. So, I was really happy for him. You know, I, I sort of like slow play my my being a fan of of Cole Hawker. Um, but I, you know, he had this year, right, that like everyone only dreams of. Yeah, when you yeah. like, if you put pen to paper and said like the things that you wanted to accomplish as a runner, he pretty much did all of them in one single year. And so I hope, I hope that he continues to progress, man. Like I hope that it, having more fast guys, it just, it pushes the sport domestically. And uh, yeah, I hope for the best for him. And it's okay that you slow played that because nobody was predicting that like this dude's gonna finish fifth in the Olympics this no, time why would last you? year. Like no why one's predicting you? that. So no like, one would have predicted that he was gonna be NCAA champion last year. Yeah. yeah so no, yeah. nobody was really talking about that. So it's okay to slow play that. But like, yeah, it's, it's the no, people also, like this I dude up just, here. Yeah, that I can't. I'm also a a fan. like, I'm not a bandwagon <laughs> jumper. So like, just because he started to run well, I mean, I was gonna be a fan. I I would love to see a little more uh, a little more energy out of him as a human being. But, uh, you know, shoot, we got card games for that. He is kind of laid back, though. That's very true. He is very laid back. Hey, bro, he gave you... He gave you the yeah. shush, That's though. true. He, he gave, gave us shush, the shush. Though. He did give us the shush. That was, that was dope. That was dope. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, he's got to race Centra for a while, so good luck to him. You know, Centra's going to be coming with some fire, so can't wait. Yeah, me either, me either. But let's rewind back a little bit and then we'll get back to some more track stuff because we definitely want to talk about it. But like you were saying as a kid, like you were like a sports fiend. Like what got you into running and when did it finally yeah. like when did it stick to you that you're like, dang, I can really do this for like I can I can really I can see myself doing this like through high school, through college and everything and maybe be pro. Yeah, I started running my sophomore year of high school. Um, because my mom wouldn't come out and watch me play tennis anymore. Cause I was like John McEnroe out there, like swearing and smashing rackets. <laughs> so, uh, that, you know, like I didn't have the, the skill or the mental fortitude to be a good tennis player anymore. Um, 
And my dad had been trying to push me in a track for, for years and years and years. But, you know, it was like I was a soccer player and uh, running track just wasn't really of interest. I played soccer all year. I was in, on a very competitive club team when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it was one of these things that like first track meet that I go to, I got an early taste of success and like just loved the atmosphere. It was an indoor track meet at the University of Minnesota. And like there's you know thousands of kids running. That's probably an exaggeration, but there's just like so many people running around. It's like all this energy and excitement in this like small building. And I was like, this carnival. is awesome. Like, yeah, like I don't know what's going on in here, but like this is awesome. There's someone like jumping with their feet over this bar, and there's someone using a pole to go over there. Like, I wasn't a track fan really before that at all. I knew very little about the sport. Um, and in fact, I remember my first day of track practice, I was like sitting over with the hundred meter guys. And one of the guys who was a senior captain on the team, who was also a captain on the soccer team, on the varsity soccer team. So I played as him on the soccer team. He came over and just like grabbed me by the neck of my shirt and just like pulled me over to the middle distance side. He's like, no, 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 man, you're not running the 100 and 200. You're running with us, 400, 800. So uh, it's, that's sort of like been like a microcosm of a story that's transcended or persisted throughout my career is like, no, 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 man, like come over here. You're coming with like what I think that I want to do. Someone else always has a better idea for me. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, in high school, I was, I was a decent runner. I was okay. I wasn't like a national champion or even an all American. I would never won a state title. Um, and I didn't get my first all American honors in college until I was a junior. So I, I think I was like a little bit late in blooming as an athlete. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons that I got to run professionally for 14 years was like, I didn't, I wasn't running hundred miles a week in high school. You know, I, I was a pretty, my body as an athlete was young. Um, and then as like, in college, I didn't, again, I didn't even know that like professional track and field was a thing until Nick Simmons went pro. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, he was D three. Yeah. Nick and I raced a bunch in college. And so like when he finally like decided what he was going to do and go up to Oregon and run with gags, I was like, okay, I guess that's what you do. And like, let's go do that. And I remember calling, had my coach call gags and asked like, what's this kid got to do? And he sort of laid it out for me. Like very plainly, the gags is a very egalitarian coach. Like, if you run this time, you can be on the team sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he, you know, he was having so much fun and success coaching Nick as a D3 runner uh, that he was, uh, he was intrigued to say the least of, of opening his doors to another one. Yeah, that's awesome. And I feel like, yeah, that really uh, built up like your story, that D3 story, just like with Nick Simmons and got a lot of people I got a lot of people behind you. What was your development like at Pomona? Like how much different because Pomona I mean I went to Azusa Pacific so like we raced at that track a lot and you guys always have hitters like even looking at your all-time list you got to be 347 or faster to be on the 1500 all-time list which is which is great especially for especially for a D3 but what was it like being at that program it was interesting right so uh at times it was very frustrating when I felt as though the school didn't really care about sports um, you know, we're out there putting all his blood, sweat and tears and pounding the pavement for 70, 80, 90, hundred mile weeks. And like the only people that like that give a crap about it are the people that are on the team, yeah. you know? Um, and so that was, that's, that was a, a little bit frustrating, but then at the same time, it was, uh, it was a freeing, there's a freedom to that because it's division three, there's no scholarships. So you're like, you're not beholden, you're not there, your running performance doesn't predicate or dictate rather if you're going to be able to afford to go to school next year, you know? Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's a team full of people that want to be there versus a team of people that feel like they have to be there. 
Um, in terms of progression, you know, my freshman year, I think I ran in the middle low 350s for 1500 meters and maybe like 153, 154 for 800. And then by the time my senior year, I ran 340.0, which at the time was the second fastest time ever in Division Three history. Um, you know, made my first U.S. final that summer and, and ran 148, 149 for the 800. Um, and so, you know, it's like, and a lot of that progression was between my junior and senior years. Um, and I really started to, I started to take the act of training and the act of racing, particularly a bit more seriously um, and seeking mm-hmm. out opportunities where I could, I could go to APU, you know, and like, and run fast because they were going to have crazy fast meets. And like, I remember um, uh, a couple of guys at APU, like Tim Ramirez and Brandon, um, yeah. like, guys, I looked, I remember racing them when I was a young college kid and like just getting smoked and just thinking like, all right, I'm going to like, give me another year, give me another two years. I want to be competitive with these guys. And so Southern California, hot, better track and field, right. You never had to travel too far. We were never on a plane unless we were going to nationals or always just like a one to two hour drive away from some of the best track meets in the world. And so that was, that was awesome. Yeah, sure. I, you had a Tim Ramirez to go against 146 and Rono. Around that yep. time, Aaron, too. Aaron, yeah, Aaron's sick. Yeah, he was a good runner. Yeah, so honestly, like, dang, D and D three and D two were were popping, popping during during your time in college. Totally, but that's like, I mean, that's the beauty of being a a runner, right? It's like what division you are doesn't matter when you're on the starting line, and if you're good, you're good. And so my coach had been at Pomona for I think thirty five years when I was a senior. Um, so he knows, he knew every other coach in, in Southern California as well. And he could just call, pick up the phone, call him and say, I got a kid, put him in the fast section. And they would, you know, sure enough, yeah. be in the fast section. Wait, how was it for you when uh, Pomona Pitzer won their fir- first national championship, their cross country national championship? On the oh my God, side? I didn't believe it, man. I didn't believe it. Uh, you know, I was like, I was watching, I watch cross nets every year live and uh, yeah. I'm watching them like, I was a little bit disappointed when they come through like the first checkpoint, it was like one or two K and like, it seemed like people were pretty far back. And our guy who was a stud actually like didn't have his best day that day. Um, and he was a bit, you know, I was expecting him to be top five. And like, as the race went on, it's like these guys just like passing people, passing people, passing people, passing. And like, I was standing, like I had my computer plugged into my TV and I'm simply just screaming at the TV, like, come on boys, let's go. And then, you know, it's cross country. So it's like, our first guys, they have that finish line camera and they start coming across the line. And I'm like, all right, there's one, there's two, there's three. And then it's like, you know, you hordes of humanity is coming across the finish line. Yeah. And then it wasn't until they populated the scores that I was like, that something, something got messed up. Like, there's no way. I was like, maybe Pomona got on the podium, but like, I, I don't know if we had the firepower to win nationals. And like, they just ran, you know, everyone on the team basically ran the best races of the year. And that's, you know, kudos to the athletes and the coach for putting that together. That's, That's awesome. awesome. P Town represented. P Town represented. Now, I also want to talk about too how you went to Olympic trials in 2008, and like you barely missed the Olympic team, finishing fourth in the 1500. But now, looking back on that, like almost, I don't even know. That's like 12, 13 years, something like that. Like, look, comparing how you you were looking at that fourth place finish then, what one year out of college, and now like being like at the at the end of your career like how what are looking at how you were like your biggest takeaway then has that changed in any type of way like looking back and 
you were so close to making that Olympic team in 2008? Yeah, you know, that, that position, that finish is a bit misleading, right? So there's two components to qualifying for Olympic team, at least there were in 2008, and there's still pretty much are now. One is how you finish at the trials, and the other is if you have a qualifying time or not. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the qualifying time, and so I was just racing purely for place. Um, but getting, you know, to like pass Alan Webb on the home stretch is pretty dope. Uh, That's like seven people. Uh, I passed like, yeah, my last, I had a rocket shoved up my butt for that last hundred meters and I was flying. Um, but my parents were sitting, my parents and my brother were sitting at right, like a hundred to go. And so I just, you know, had to turn on the jets. I had to go co- straight Cole Hawker for him there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, you know, the beauty of that race was for the entire year leading up to that point, I was an unsponsored athlete. I was running with the Oregon track club, but I didn't have a contract. And so I started like, you know, let's do this for a year. Let's see how it, like how we do with the trials. And then we'll make a decision. I'm like, do I go get a, like chase this dream anymore? Or do I go get a job? And Mm -hmm. what that race told me was, even though I may not have even at that time had any of the fastest times in America, um, I knew that I could, but there was more in my body than I'd ever, uh, I'd ever dreamed. Right. You know, like sophomore, junior year of of college, I wasn't thinking about running professionally. I was thinking about like, you know, what tech startup in the Bay area I wanted to go try and get a job at. Um, and then only like the second half of my senior year, I was like, you know, maybe let's just like give this thing a go. Like, let's, let's try and see what we can do with this. Um, so that fourth place finish was like, nope, like you're going to want, you want to run for a while. And then, you know, because I finishing pretty well and had a good sum over in Europe. Um, that's when I signed my first contract. Dang. That's awesome. And I mean, and that led to, your amazing career and the, the personality uh, of Will Lear that we all know now. But moving on after your career, you know, you started, you got, how did you end up with Under Armour? How did you end up linking up with Jesse and doing sound running? You know, uh, if my role in sound running is I'm, I'm just there to, I'm there to support, man. I'm there to have fun. I'm there to make sure that, you know, lend a hand, to tear down fences if they need that and, and help out in any way that I can. Because I just, I believe in that event. Um, I believe in these like grassroots, smaller track events that like, they're a great way to get people into the sport. Um, Jesse and I have been friends for 10 years. Uh, even when I was not a Brooks runner, I was, I was buds with Jesse way long before that, because he was a guy who was always pushing boundaries, trying new things. Um, and I just want to support people that are doing that in the sport of track and field. You know, it's like, whether it's successful or not, if you're trying something new, like odds are, I'm going to I want to be a vocal supporter of yours. Um, mm. In under with Under Armour, I you know signed as an athlete with them back in 2019 and competed with them for a couple of years. And in the last uh, you know eight ten months, I've just sort of grown into some different roles within the company um, and really just like again trying to give them help them with the wealth of knowledge that I have about track and field, about the professional side of the sport, and like you know, I think that they see some value there. And so, um, you know, hoping to continue to work with them for years to come. And how was it being on ESPN? I turned on, oh turn on American track league and I'm like, Will Lear's over here doing the sideline reporting. I'm like, Whoa, how was, how was that experience down there in Truco Hills for the American track league and sound running? Like that, that's I mean, honestly, that's it dope. was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was awesome. It was so fun. I only had one rule and my rule to myself was like, don't ask someone how they felt the last hundred meters of their race. Um, because it's like, how'd you feel? Probably felt pretty damn good. If you're, if I'm interviewing you, you probably felt pretty damn good, you know, like you won. So yeah. you're yeah. enjoying that last hundred. Um, but I, I, I took advantage of that opportunity to try and 
and be a little bit of a different voice, a different, um, take a different couple different angles than people normally take in those post-race interviews of like, let's you know dig a little bit deeper into who the athletes are as, as yeah. people and like, and give them an opportunity as I would have liked when I was a runner to, you know, to talk. It's like, we very infrequently get to talk on ESPN, right? It's like the announcers mm-hmm. get to do the talking and you get to do the running. So like when you have a half a million people, I mean, I think that meet that those broadcasts were pulling in like somewhere around 500,000 viewers. And so, um, giving the athletes an opportunity to tell their story, to build their brand, to sell their brand, I think was really, really important. How was it? It was nerve wracking, man. Like before, <laughs> next question. before it started, I'm like, Oh my God, uh, there's gonna be half a million people watch. It's like, don't say something stupid. Don't swear. Don't like, don't get caught up on your words. I had not practiced at all. I didn't even like call Aisha and be like, Hey, can I do some like fake interviews with you? And, I was like, <laughs> and then, but it's funny, you know, like once the camera starts to roll, it's like, I'm just having a conversation, you know? Yeah. And like, I got to, okay. I got to remember that the camera's over here. That's looking at me and like where this, this other person is standing. And I, I was like, I think I win the award for most aggressive microphone thrusts. Cause I was just like <laughs> shoving this microphone in people's faces. Um, but aside from that, it was uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great experience. And I, you know, hopefully I'll get an opportunity to do it again. Yeah. I think you did a great job. Cause I, like you were saying, I think, uh, you definitely made it a little bit more relaxed too for the athletes as well. Like you're having fun. I remember somebody like, was it, was it Jade Stepper? I think she like screamed right afterwards. And I remember you like uh, vividly, you're like telling are you going to do that scream again? And didn't you scream or something? I yeah, something like yeah. that happened. Like you made it fun. Yeah. You made it fun for everybody. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like, I remember like being, when I got married to Aisha in 2016, I remember caring a lot about how I looked and I was like, no one's going to be looking at me. It doesn't matter. You know, it's yeah. like, I'm just here to try and get like, I know all of these athletes, right. You know, I've been competing with them for years and years and years. And the ones that I don't know, I want to get to know. And so yeah. it's, it's like, it's easy for me to, uh, sort of lean into some of the deeper friendships that I have. And like, and like with Brandon Kidder, when I got to joke with him about manscaping, I thought that was pretty funny, but you're also like, you're giving extra airtime to these, to the sponsors who are like, this is the manscaped men's, uh, 800 meters. And it's like, let's talk about this product. You ever use it? You know, like, yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a weird product to have sponsoring track meet. Like never had one of those before, but like, let's go with it. You know, like let's, let's try and get them back for another one, you know? Yeah. Breaking down that gentleman mentality in that sport, that golf, the golf clap, you know, mentality of track and field, breaking down that barrier and making it more fun for everybody. You always been about that. So it's cool to see you on try the other be. side doing it too. Try to be. And then as well, we've been talking, talking about a lot about your career. We talked about the All Out Mile. But since we're on Two Black Runners podcast, and we had you before, we talked to you before, we had some hot takes. Uh, Two Black Runners, you obviously know we like hot takes. Yeah, and one of the things we like to do is called False Start. Oh, no. I believe Usain Bolt false started. I think Usain Bolt just false started. Basically, in false start, we go out there, we put out our hot takes, then you decide if that is a false start or not. If that is a false start, that means that take is whack. It's too soon. That's not happening. Like, what, what are you even talking about? If it's not All a right. false start, it could be valid or something like that. So my first up, my hot take, 
I got to give to both of y'all is that Jacob Ingerbrickston, bro. This dude just won Luzon, Luzane, and what, nine? I don't, I don't know where he ranked. He won the 3K. That's all you need to know. He'd be a talented field. Really? Ran 347 in the in the 15, 347 in the mile, fastest American soil, won the 1500. His dominance has begun and he won't slow down. I don't know if he's going to be losing to Timothy Chariot again. Everybody can ask a Chariot. You you won 12 times to Jacob Ingerbrickston. Are you going to beat him again? Like, I don't know if he ever is, if, if he's ever going to beat him again. Ingerbrickston's dominance has begun and he won't slow down. Is that a false start? We want to start. No, uh, that that is that that is a fair start. Let him know. Let him know. Yeah, I mean, that uh Jakob Jakob is uh like again, this is a guy that like when he first broke four minutes at the pre-classic when he was 16 years old, I think the world was like just all over him, right? And and to follow that up five years later with Olympic gold medal is like that's pretty sick yeah i mean i gotta i gotta agree man like i'm more of a, Sol a solomon borrega fan but the way he won that 3k today too i was like dang like he just looks he doesn't he just looks so smooth every race that he's in he doesn't look like he's really hurting that much and he's only 21 bro so mm -hmm. we'll see we'll see if we'll see if he tries that stefan triple if the the schedule lines oh, i hope not day. i hope not <laughs> I hope not. We'll see. All right, I got the next false start for you. You know, you were talking about your boy Brandon Kidder, and I've been I've been kind of saying this more. I've been Brandon. Bra I got I got to pop in here for a second. It's Brandon. There's no D. My bad. N N O N. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny hey. because uh, yeah, everyone says Brandon, but I got shout out to Brandon Kidder. I got your Brandon? back, bud. Hey, Brandon. Get, okay, <laughs> hey, hey, the homie. But man, that's, that's a tough what, life, bro. Everybody gonna say Brandon, you know? Everybody know. gonna say Brandon. And that's I know. Brandon. 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 It's, it's stuck in my it's stuck in my brain now. I know. Right. Good. Good. I'm afraid to say it now. But anyways, <laughs> but what I'm gonna say is I think the Brooks Beast, this is a false start. The Brooks Beast have the best middle distance program in the US right now. Like with your boy, your boy Kidder. We got now they got Josh Curry running 329. Um, you got Henry Wynn. They just signed Devin Dixon, a 144 guy. They're they're killing. And, they, and they got Wally Suleman, a 337 guy. I think that I mean Drew Wendell on a good day, 145 as well. I think it's fair to say now with Josh Kerr at the top, training in the U.S. that that is the best middle distance program in the U.S. Is that false? Uh, you know, I I'm a big Brooks Beast fan. I love Danny Mackey. I think that he's a I think he's a very good coach. Um, I, I also love all those guys. I love Josh Kerr is like one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. Um, they have a strong team and I, I just hope that they can continue the trend of, of, you know, up moving upwards. I think that living and training in Seattle, uh, it's tough, right? Man, that weather, that weather breaks you down. But like when you got a Scotsman up there, who's just like used to the crap weather in the rain, seems to not mind it. Um, and they go do their training camps, I know. But uh, yeah, I guess like, I don't know, when you're looking at other group, like the P. Julian's group, what are they calling themselves now? The the not so the, Oregon Project. Yeah, yeah I whatever. Know. I don't know. Whatever. There's but you goats, know, they got, they got Engels, the they got Donovan, like they got a squad there, you know, like they, their, their strength is not in numbers. Their strength is on the, on the top end. But um I think you have an argument. There's an argument to be made there for Brooks Beast being the, the top middle distance program. For guy, for men. For, for men. men, for men, for men. I should have clarified. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. I'm going to say that's a false start. I'm just going to say straight off rip. That's a false start. Uh, I, I'm not sure who's number one is, but I don't, I don't think it's Brooks Beast. And wow. that's not me. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Mean, it could be Byron. Well, it could be Storm. Yeah, well, depending I guess, who you want to put there. I just, I don't yeah, I guess, know if they made OAC. that leap yet. Yeah, shout out, shout out to the very nice track club, though, right? Shout out to the very, very nice track club with Hobbs Kessler. They got oh. Mitchell Black, who was a 146 guy. They got Mason, who ran 135 this year, with Willis, who's a, a 329 guy. No, no, there's, I mean, there's, that's the beauty of, of middle distance running right now, right? It's, uh, it's, there's other really good groups. And, and I think that's what people are finding out. It's like, this is, this is nothing new, right? In Africa, yeah. all the best, tra- all the best athletes, they train in groups. And so, like, in America, for the longest time, we sort of were a tra- like one athlete was going to a coach. And, and, and now it's like, no, we got to, like, you want to be good, you train with a good group. Yeah, I don't think there's just one. They're not they're not the top yet, but I don't think they're number one. But last one, last one, false start. We just saw this past weekend at the pre-classic, Courtney Ferrix breaks her own American record. But this past, she, she, she also played second at the Olympics as well. But Emma Coburn at the Olympic trials beat Courtney. This Courtney Ferrix versus Emma Coburn rivalry in the steeplechase is a top three rivalry in the US right now. Like we got like Sidney McLaughlin versus Delilah, probably Cole Hawker and Matthew Sensiewicz. And then Courtney Ferrix and Emma Coburn are like right there or maybe even second, like the best rivalry that I have in the US right now. Is that a false start? That's a good one. Clearly. Is, is there, you got audio on my background. Uh, I would say clearly it's a great rivalry. Um, I know that, you know, let's let's not beat around the bush. There's a lot of disappointment. Uh, and I know Emma feels it from her, from what happened in Tokyo, right? Like mm-hmm. I, my hot take to you guys is Emma Coburn's come away with that gold medal. Like, I believe that. And I, think, I was like, you're right. For sure. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that in, in normal circumstances, mm-hmm. She still That's does, her. right? Um, her dominance this year in the steeplechase, how she ran in Monaco leading up to the Olympics, except for that last barrier, yeah. um, led me to believe that she, and, and I've, I get, I'm, I'm fortunate, I get to watch this woman train like most days of the week, right? I, I see the work that she's done and I know that she's in the best shape of her life. And so it's, it's heartbreaking when you don't get to see all like, whenever the world doesn't get to see what I see, you know? And, and then and then when she has a result like she had in Tokyo, that was heartbreaking. Um, but Courtney sees the day. I mean, I just literally went back and watched that race two days ago again. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's an incredible performance. She just, she takes complete control. She does a little bit of like what Molly Seidel did in the, in the marathon, which is like, I'm just going to be up here at the front and I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And like, if you guys can come with me and beat me, then good for you. But like, I'm just going to go run exactly the way that I want to run. And again, getting, getting to see her in person at pre sort of attack that time barrier. Um, man, that was, that was something special. That was really fun to watch. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy for her. Courtney is like an unbelievably lovely person. The first year Emma ever hosted her Elk Run 5k up at Crested Butte. Courtney came out and like ran and partied with us. And so she's like, it's a fun it's a rivalry, but they're also very close friends. And like, that's really what I love to see in the sport. Do you know what horse girl energy is, Will? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do, do steeplers have horse girl energy? I mean, he would know. He would know more than anyone. Cause I, I that's I, true. He would that's know. True. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to uh, go on the record as saying that steeplechasers have horse girl energy. 
Um, okay. <laughs> that's good good answer good answer good answer yeah yeah because I, I don't know how my friends would respond to that so i'm just gonna say uh no comment that's, hey, fair. that's a good answer that's fair we're gonna talk about we're about to close out in a second but i also want to talk about this question because i was just thinking about this the other day like with the emergence of like sound running trials and miles and american track league it really became pop popular during covid and the other meets like the usual meets that happen around the country like in local places weren't really happening because either like the college is shut down while having people on campus or just track shut down or something like that with like 20 2022 coming around the corner like what do you think do you think we're going to keep on seeing like these leagues keep on going? Cause somewhere like where you went, like Pomona Pitzer or like Oxy in Southern California, like those are really like popular meets that haven't happened for like the past two years. Do you yeah. see more people start reverting back to going to those usual meets or even like uh Jim Bush at UCLA, something like that. Or they, they start keep on going to that sound running trials and miles American track league and creating this domestic league in like the U.S. and in the 22 and further on. You know, I think it's, it's the success of the ATL and sound running um, and, and like, you know, Ed Murphy, uh, national distance carnival or national track classic. Now that's called like these meets, they, they were required. They were necessary. And mm -hmm. it's a bit of like the field of dreams mentality, right? Like if you build it, they will come. So like when we couldn't travel abroad, all the domestic athletes, all the U S athletes started going to these little meets and all of a sudden they're like, shoot, these are fun. You know, like these are really fun. You get to go out there and like interact with the fans. There's prize money. You don't have to travel overseas. You can be back in your own bed the next day. And there's a lot of value. There's like intrinsic value there. Um, I think that especially with world championships next summer, we're going to see, I, I, I can't help but think that we're going to see a thriving domestic circuit around that That's both true, before yeah. and afterwards. Um, and then hopefully we can ride that. I mean, then it's six more years until we have a domestic Olympic games again. So that's not you know, in the world of sport. Like that's not that long, uh, six years to a lot of people, they might seem like forever. Um, but it does take a while to get these things, get these balls rolling. But I know that, um, you know, athletes want to see it. Sponsors want to see it. Because to a sponsor like a, a Nike or an Under Armour, if I go over to Europe and run in small European meets or even in the Diamond League, it doesn't really do anything for them because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not where the business is located. Yeah, but if I'm yeah. here, if I'm local, if I'm domestic, where like people can turn on a TV at a reasonable time of day and watch me race, then that's worth so much more than like, you know, shoot, how hard, guys, how hard was it to watch track and field in Tokyo? I mean, like you're up oh until you're waking gosh. up at... The morning. hours of the morning or like yeah it was it was crazy right and so like to have it be in our own time zone just makes it makes making fans easier i think that was a really good point though of the world championships being here next year too because you see like people going overseas like this year just i imagine just to get the experience of just going overseas because that's a whole different travel process and being that being that your first time doing that like at Tokyo could definitely like hinder you in some type of way, but like, you don't even have to do that because it's, it's in Eugene. So like, what's the purpose of really going over? And like the competition is here too in the U S so that's a very, very fair point. No, you, yeah, exactly. You know, like early on in my career, you had to go over to Europe to find the fast races, but we're figuring that out now, you know, like meet yeah. directors are starting to figure out that like, Hey, I need to put up serious money for good pacing in the distance races. And if you do that, shoot, 
Jerry's group was going to come. Team boss is going to come. Danny's group is going to come. The, the beasts are going to come. Like all these groups are going to send their athletes. Cause they're like, from a coaching perspective, it's just easier to send someone domestically than it is to send them internationally. Just the fear was always that you would send someone someplace and the race would suck. But now yeah. you just know that the races are going to be fire. And so everyone goes. Yeah. And then hopefully we could start, you know, with Eugene being here next year. Um, we're proving that, you know, Americans can run fast here. So Europeans and Africans and Australians, they all follow the wave and they come here too. And maybe we got, you know, track start making a little bit more money out here. Yeah, that'd be great. That's, that's the goal, right? That's, that's, that's my crazy dream. Yeah. Yeah. And I always close out. Thanks for coming on the pod, but we have a few just like quick questions. Then we can get you out of here. Like who are your top, are you top five or top three favorite milers? Cause we all, we're on an all out mile episode. So like, who are your top five or top three favorite milers? Just milers you watched or ran against. Who are some of your top five favorite milers or three? Uh, I think my favorite miler is Nick Willis and it's, it's not because he's one of my best friends it's because he's just like this master tactician that mm-hmm. like, he's just all, I mean, if you go back and watch his races, he ran in high school races, he ran in college, all of this professional, big professional races. I mean, the guy is just like, he's timeless and he's there and he's savvy and he like, yeah, just awesome. And, and he's a, he's an unbelievable human being and adds has like added so much, to the sport of track and field that like you know, his, his impact is sort of immeasurable. Um, some of my other favorite milers, I mean, gosh, Centro, that dude just like has ice in his veins. He's, oh, he's unbelievable. He's absolutely unbelievable. Um, but then, I mean, like, honestly, I do like this new, I don't want to call it like, the new generation of Kenyan miler, like the Ronald Quemoy, um, Timothy Chariot, where it's just like the come and get me mentality. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just, never before did we see races in, in 1500 meter finals that were sub 330. It's like, you had to go to Monaco for times like that. And these guys just now this like, they're just throwing caution to the wind and just going so hard. That's like, it's, it's super admirable. Um, and so, yeah, I'd say like probably, probably Tim top, probably like chariot. I, I mean, I don't know. Like also like vintage Legat. vintage Legat was so hey. good. Yeah. 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 So That's my good. favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, when he was racing against El Garouge, there's a lot of suspicion around that guy, whether he was doing it the right way or not. He never tested positive. So I'm not about to like, uh, make myself out to be a, a jerk on this podcast and saying that he was dirty, but like those races were always so fun to watch. And you always mm-hmm. had like crazy finishes by a lot of those guys, but you know, a good guy to ask, get on your podcast and ask us to would be Willis because he's much more of a, a student of the history of the sport than I am. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think uh, I think I think that that is like a, a top four is pretty good. Yeah, we'll definitely have to get Willis on. You know, as we're closing out, we always want to close out with a good little love story too. You and your wife are are for sure a power couple. So could you like just tell our audience real quick how how you how how you all met and explain to them well, who she is and everything? Look, I'll just I'll just say to you to your audience, you know, you want to find your soulmate, run track and field. You know, that's where all the good people are. Um, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so Aisha and I actually met um, one summer racing over in Europe. And so like, I can't knock European racing too hard because uh, that's where I met my wife. But uh, yeah, we had the same agent for a while and we were based in the same little town outside of Brussels, Belgium. And I, I don't know, like it's sort of cheesy, but it's one of these like, you know, we, the first time we met sort of like 
there was definitely a connection. There was definitely an immediate attraction and then hung out all summer. I mean, when you're over there in Europe, going to these races, you spend a lot of time with other athletes. And so whether it was like cooking meals together, going out to eat, going to races, like having, you know, celebratory drinks after a race or something like that. It's like, we got to share all these really unique and fun experiences, Mm -hmm. which like otherwise in life would be almost impossible, like to get some, get to know someone so well, so quickly. And, uh, yeah, it was actually kind of funny when we came back to the U S like I called her one day. I was like, Hey, like, are, are we dating? Like, I don't really, I, like, we didn't really talk about that. And she's like, um, let me get back to you on that. I was like, shit, she just totally played me for the summer. Like <laughs> I was just, that's like, what a hot boy bummer for me, you know? And, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but no, it, it, it worked out. And, um, you know, I, it's probably like my most, my most favorite part of track and field is that I, I met my wife and I, I just feel so lucky about that. Damn. That was, that was heartwarming. We needed that. But we were also learning. Yeah, she's too. also she's also she's she's on team boss, but she's she is the boss, you know, like she uh, <laughs> she has all the control. Hey, happy wife, happy life. I feel that something like that. That's what I've heard. <laughs> TBD. And being that your wife is from Jamaica, I, we know that you you know, like son, you be around Jamaican athletes and everything. Like when you're watching like the sprints, especially, do you find yourself like rooting for Jamaica at times? Like, do you be rooting for, rooting for the country? Of course, of course. I can't not. I mean, like, I've gotten to know a lot of the current competing Jamaican athletes, like, way better than the current competing American athletes. Mm. Because, like, for example, when we go to, when she goes to world championships, the Olympics or something, I'll go over just to, like, keep her company so she doesn't get super bored. And I'll go to team camp for, like, three weeks and just, like, hang out mm. with the athletes. And so I'd say it's less, like, am I rooting for the flag or am I rooting for the person? Um, and I just have, you know, so many friends that are, are on the Jamaican team now. And uh, I just like, I have such a deep respect for how they've accepted and welcomed Aisha into onto their team um, that they, they all have my, you know, my utmost respect and love. And uh, yeah, I look, one of the beauties of her running for Jamaica. And I saw this at her first Olympics in Rio is that like the world are Jamaica fans. Right. Uh, so like when I'd be out there in a Jamaica shirt because I'm going to watch Aisha race, like everyone be like, yeah, Jamaica, you know, it's like, you don't really get that with the U S you know, yeah. you wear your U S shirt, like other American fans, be like, you know, USA, USA, which is great. And I still cheer for team USA a lot, but like everyone in the world loves Jamaica. It's just this tiny little Island that mm-hmm. has some of the fastest freaking people on planet earth. And yeah. So awesome. That's dope. And then we don't we don't have to get like deep into the women's hunter conversation, but just Elaine Thompson's 10-5. You saw that? That was crazy. She's, we're, she's on she's next level right now, man. That was yeah. that was that was wild. Seeing that was in person little, was amazing. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed in my seat for that. So I was standing over at about the 200 meter start. So I was like a full track across. Oh but, okay. Man, she that was that was insane. That was absolutely insane. I just realized that, like, man, we really saw the second fastest time in person ever. Like, that's well, you saw, you saw, you, you actually saw the fastest time ever. You saw hey. the fastest time ever. Yeah, there's the, you know, the rumors that swirl around about FloJo's uh, world record are are all valid. I talked to many people that were at the track that day, and they said that I don't know how that that wind reading was not that zero point zero that I came up with was not right. It was it was blowing, and mm. and. Uh, 
So she had she had a little bit of um, Mother Nature's help, but uh, still dope, still dope. Yeah, crazy, crazy. But man, really do appreciate you, Will, for joining us on the podcast. Everybody, sign up for the All Out Mile if you're really about that life. Get back into running. Like, try. Oh, you don't even have new. to be about that. Just do it. Just do oh. it. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. If you if Just you think it. that you might like to run, sign up for the All Out Mile. It's free. You got nothing to lose. You can help a team win fifteen thousand dollars for a youth sports charity. You yourself can win prizes. I mean, it's like, what more great reason do you need to go do something? It takes like three minutes to sign up. See, that's why Ooh, I got you to end it up. That's why I had you to say that. That's why I had you to say that. <laughs> And Aaron, you got anything else to say before we sign out? Appreciate you, uh, Will, coming on. Great, great yeah, stories, great, great talking. And uh, to everyone that listened this far into the podcast, we truly do appreciate y'all. Go get that running report T at theharrier.com as well. But other than that, Joshua, I, I ain't got much to say. All right, appreciate you, man. Have a good one, Will. All right, guys. Later on. Have a great night. Bye.